to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. If there's one thing that's certain in college football, it's that nothing is certain. Sure, Florida and Florida State are two programs going in opposite directions right now, but when the two teams meet this Saturday in their annual rivalry game, what seemed like a certain thing, an impending victory for the heavily favored Seminoles, is no longer certain. That's because the Seminoles have lost their Heisman candidate quarterback Jordan Travis, who injured his leg this past Saturday against North Alabama. While that seemed like a boon to the Gators' chances of pulling off an upset, just about two hours after Travis's injury, Florida quarterback Graham Mertz was knocked out for the remainder of the season with a collarbone injury against Missouri. How does losing both starting quarterbacks affect this game? Whose backup looks poised to lead their team to victory? And if the Gators lose, will Billy Napier be out as head coach of Florida after losing the final five games of the season and not making a bowl game? To help answer these questions and more, I welcome back Seminoles beat writer Essen Kassam of the Tallahassee Democrat and Gators beat writer Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun. They'll be here in just a moment to talk about this unusual 67th meeting between the two programs. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the 150th episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Let's bring in Essen Kassam and Kevin Brockway and start talking Florida and Florida State. Essen, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, um, Tim. Absolutely. And Kevin, thanks for being here for the second time in three weeks. Yeah, it's good to be back, Tim. Uh, you know, uh, maybe one of these days the Gators will get a win, but uh, it uh, has not uh, been a kind month uh, for Florida, for sure. Wait, are you saying I'm a bad luck charm? <laughs> Something like that. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, well, let, let's get into this game because Saturday night, this past Saturday, what what just a crazy, crazy night. So we'll start with Essen because your injury uh, happened first. You know, the Seminoles lose Jordan Travis against what's supposed to be a cupcake game with North Alabama. I know the injury happened pretty early. You know, I, 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 also, I sometimes wonder, should Travis have even been playing in a game like that? But obviously that's hindsight being 2020. But, you know, uh, give us his injury status. We know his career as a Seminole is over. How is he doing? And then Tate Rodemaker, it looks like, will be starting against the Gators. You know, talk about his prep and just uh, everything surrounding the quarterback situation. Yeah, I partially agree with you, Tim. Like, I, I, was like, I would have played Jordan Travis one quarter, and that's it. Against North Alabama, mostly because of the senior night. Um, his last chance at Doe Campbell Stadium. I think you got to play him a little bit. You know, they're honoring the seniors. Be kind of odd to honor him, and then he just sits on the sidelines. I think it would leave a bad taste in his mouth, a bad taste in the fans' mouth. But yeah, no, his um, obviously he put statement out earlier today. His career at FSU is over. He, uh, we don't have exact injury yet. FSU does not tell us ever what happens with injuries like that. But from what I've heard, um, you know. Not um, clean breaks. Hopefully, it sounds like he had surgery. He's gonna should recover well. Um, it's unfortunate, it's, you know. I think the, and I think it's similar for Florida's quarterback. Like the the it was very like you know like people just like sympathy rolled in and 
from across the nation. Like it was amazing to see how much, like how well liked Jordan Travis is. Obviously, his story is amazing. What he's been through at Florida State, starting at Louisville, transferring over, joining um, when Willie Taggart was still here. Coach, um, you know, working through all those struggles, being benched, being booed by FSU fans at one point, losing the Jacksonville State FCS opponent, you know, and to get to a point where he was on the brink of being a, a Heisman candidate and a chance to go to the playoffs and bring Florida State back to Providence, it's it's a sad story. Um, you hate to see it to any, happen to anyone, but Jordan Travis, what he's been through, his stories, it's a really good story. It's unfortunate, but... Um, you have Tate Rodemaker, who I got a chance to talk to Alan Rodemaker, um, the former Valdosta High coach, who coached um, Tate and Jaheim, um, tight end Jaheim Bell, just about his son. And um, he mentioned that Jordan Travis actually called him on FaceTime when they were walking back home and just congratulated him, said, you know, this is your team now, and was very, very, you know, upbeat. But, yeah, Tate Rodemaker is less mobile but very athletic he can make all the throws. It seemed like at times he was late making some throws, but for the most part, he was on time. He's been with the program for four years. He knows this offense probably as well as Travis. He's only had one career start against in 2020 in his freshman season against Jacksonville state. So this will be his second career start. Um, so obviously against the Florida defense that's struggling a little bit, but we'll see what Florida has in store for him. Cause this could be, it could get interesting. First career start being a uh, second career start being inside the swamp is gonna, obviously interesting. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, let's say Travis is able to properly heal and his speed doesn't take a hit. You know, he, he was looking like he had played himself into being an NFL draft pick. Do you think that's still the case? I still believe so. Because um, I think he'll get a chance based off the kind of person he is, the leader he is. And then he'll get in the football field and wow people. I never saw him as anything more than a you know career backup who could probably have make it have a nice career that way, fill in some for some games and just be someone that's dependable, be there and be a uh, kind of a chase Daniel kind of uh, guy in the NFL. So I don't think my, my opinion, what I thought for him in the NFL doesn't really change, but I don't think he's a day two pick anymore for sure. I think he had an outside chance of that. Now I think he's probably a day three pick if not undrafted. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll keep an eye on what happens there. And hey, you never know. He could be the next Josh Dobbs. You know, nobody thought Dobbs has played, uh, what, on about half the teams over the last six weeks. But he just keeps winning. So uh, we'll, we'll watch how that goes. Now, Kevin, you're there. You're watching the Florida game. They're playing well against Missouri. You see that Travis is out. You're wondering what that's going to mean for the Florida State game. And then, what, maybe two hours after Travis is injured, Graham Mertz goes down. And he's got a collarbone injury. He's going to be out of this one. So tell us a little bit about his status. Talk about who will be replacing him against Florida State in Max Brown and Mertz. He can he'll be back. He can be back next year when Florida brings in its prized recruit DJ Lagway. So talk about that whole situation with Florida. Yeah, well, you know it's interesting because uh, it's it's kind of funny because you know Graham Mertz has been a slider throughout most of his uh, this season, uh, you know, and it's not going to bring back any memories of Anthony Richardson in terms of his mobility. Uh, but it was a situation where Florida really needed a first down. Uh, you know, he made the collision. Uh, I kind of called it his Tim Tebow moment. Um, and then you know the very next play, he goes back to snap the handoff, and he kind of winces in pain. Um, and that's how he got hurt late in the third quarter, taking that hit. Turned out to be a non-displaced uh, fracture of the collarbone. 
obviously went in for x-rays. Um, so Billy Napier said in today's press conference, um, they're going to wait. They, they did another x-ray on Sunday. They're going to wait two weeks uh, to uh, kind of reevaluate whether he needs surgery. So, I mean, there's a slight chance if Florida wins, you know, maybe he could play in the bowl game. Who knows? But uh, it, I think it would depend on how things uh, heal the next couple of weeks with regards to that. Um, but as far as uh, Graham Mertz is concerned, he does have another year of eligibility, uh, COVID year, six year. I asked Billy Napier directly if he had any indications or any leanings on how he's feeling. And he basically said, you know, he's going to let Graham announce that and hash through that. But uh, I do think that, you know, by all indications from what we've talked with Graham during the course of the season, he's really enjoyed his experience with the Florida Gators and wearing a Florida uniform. Um, and with DJ Lagway coming in next year, it certainly would be nice to have a, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a veteran bridge uh, towards him, uh, maybe to not put too much on his plate um, if Mertz does decide to come back as someone with, you know, starting experience uh, in this offense. Um, but that leaves you with Max Brown. And I'll tell you what, in the fourth quarter of Missouri game, uh, he looked pretty good. I mean, he 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 did have that uh, botched uh, snap, that early fumble in the red zone, obviously, uh, which was a tough way to stop, but he showed some resiliency and bouncing back from that. Led Florida on a touchdown drive, made a big fourth down throw during that drive, um, and then uh, you know led them to a field goal drive to put them up 31-30 with 126 left. So it could have been a real Cinderella story had Florida's defense held uh, in the final you know 120, but we know that didn't happen, and uh, Missouri you know uh, held on, you know beat uh, Florida 33-31 with that field goal with eight seconds left. But uh, I think he certainly. Uh, you know, is, is coming to this game with some confidence, knowing that if you can do it in the SEC level on the road, you know, coming back home to swamp where the crowd is going to be behind you, um, you know, teammates have confidence in him. And he just brings that mobility element, too, in terms of the read option game. You know, he had a really nice 27 yard run to set up the field goal and also, uh, you know, a nice handoff to uh, ETN where he had the you know entire Missouri defense fooled for the touchdown. So. He does bring that element, that mobility element uh, into the game. And, um, you know, we'll see about uh, we'll see how he handles the situation. But, uh, you know, he certainly looked very poised on Saturday night. All righty. Well, let's start talking about this Saturday's game. 7 p.m. Florida State at Florida. As and obviously the entire landscape of this game is changed with its two starting quarterbacks gone. Something that's never happened over the previous 66 meetings of this te- these teams. But, you know, one thing that hasn't changed is Florida's inability to tackle. So do you see this where they try and take Rodemaker's pressure off by just going Trey Benson as much as possible? Or do they let Rodemaker try and make some downfield throws? What do you think is going to happen with the offense? Yeah, I think it's going to be a mixture of both. I think they trust Rodemaker to make some throws. Um, I think Florida's probably going to – I'm obviously speaking, like, you know, from what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to try um, taking Trey Benson away. I know Florida struggled tackling, but um, Florida State has really struggled to run the ball against really good teams this year. So that's an interesting something has to give kind of situation. So the offensive line has not always blocked really well this year. There's been so they've gotten beat a few times. Uh, they they struggled against um, to protect um, Rodemaker and Travis against North Alabama's defense a little bit, defensive front a little bit. So. I do have some concerns about that, but obviously Florida struggled defensively, so they would have to show a lot more than they showed in the past few weeks. But I do think they're going to let Rodemaker throw. They're, they're going to um, – because you got you can't take Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson out of the game, mm-hmm. or Jaheim Bell. So I think you got to find a way to manufacture touches for them. So even if it's starting off, it's easy throws, 
and get him involved that way to start off and then take some shots later. I, I, I think they trust Rodemaker. They're going to open the playbook for him. All right. And Kevin, similar question for Florida's offense. You know, you've got a first-time starter in Max Brown. Are they going to go run heavy with their uh, two-headed monster of Montreal Johnson and Travis Etienne? Or as you were talking about, Brown runs a really good read option. What do you think is going to happen on the offensive side of the ball for Florida? Yeah, you know, uh, Billy Napier talked today about, you know, tailoring an offense, you know, based on his strengths. So I do think you're going to see a lot of read option, uh, very similar to what he did in the uh, fourth quarter of that Missouri game, um, where they'll uh, get him out and, uh, you know, get him throwing on the run, too. Uh, that looks like uh, an effective element uh, of, of his game. Um, so I think you'll see ETN and, and, you know, Trevor ETN and Montreal Johnson as factors uh, in regards to this. Um you know, maybe if you want to go even really run heavy, you could even include, you know, the freshman running back from uh, Jacksonville, Trayon Webb. But, you know, that being said, you know, Eugene Wilson, Ricky Pearsall is another one. Um, you know, Pearsall ran a 39-yard uh, touchdown run on a reverse. So you could see some razzle-dazzle in that way, too. A little misdirection if Florida's defense is uh, Florida State's defense, excuse me, is over-pursuing a little bit. Um, they can throw a lot of wrinkles there, but... Uh, you know, Eugene Wilson is another guy, a freshman from Tampa, that's really coming on, um, you know, five touchdown catches in his last four games. You know, Pearsall's near a thousand yards receiving. So much like Florida State, I think with a backup quarterback, you do want to get those guys involved in the passing game as well um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, taking some shots. Um, but it's really going to depend on, you know, the offensive line right now and uh, that situation. You know, Austin Barber did not play against Missouri um, we'll find out, uh, Wednesday, his status going in for FSU. Um, so they started Damian George at left tackle and really kind of the one bugaboo of, of, you know, the offense. And in, in the first half, they only scored seven points. One of the main reasons why was still a lot of procedural issues on the offensive line. That's been an issue. Um, some penalties here and there that have, you know, stalled some momentum and, and pushed them back. Uh, that's, uh, that's really hurt, um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, getting, getting things going sometimes, but, uh, it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they, they do things for Max Brown, but I would suspect that, uh, you'll see a lot of read option and, uh, maybe even a few quarterback design runs here and there. Yeah. Right now it looks like this game is a six and a half point spread in favor of Florida state, despite the quarterback injuries. Now, Essen hearing everything that Kevin was just saying, how do you think Florida state's going to game plan for the Florida offense then? Yeah, I think Florida State's going to come out and try to take away the run. I think that's what it seems like, you know, you got to make Max Brown make decisions, whether that being the read option, take away ETN, take away um, Montreal Johnson. You make him um, make the plays, make him make throws, put the pressure on him. He's this going to be his first career start. Obviously, he, it, the, it's confidence going to be a little friendlier for him with being a home game at Florida. But at the same time, it's still a primetime game. I think Florida State has to put the pressure on them. You know, but that's easier said than done because Florida State, once again, if you look at the Miami game in the first half, struggled against the run. The first, second half against Miami when they did more of a run blitz, um, when they had no respect for the quarterback um, to throw the ball, was um, when they the defense took off. So I wonder if they could similar mindset just trying to eliminate the run because they have struggled against the run. They tried to when teams have been able to do a little bit of both. So it could be interesting to see how they attack. But I do think that they're going to first first and foremost take, try to take away the run and make Max Brown the guy that has to beat them. All right. Now, Kevin, even without Travis, 
Can Florida's defense step up and play well enough to stop Florida State's run game? And will they be able to pressure Rodemaker maybe into making some mistakes? Yeah, that's a big question. And uh, when you talk about Florida and pressure, uh, that's been a huge issue all season, even on the fourth and 17th play, right? You know, they brought a four-man rush, uh, could not impact uh, Cook, and he, you know, beats the zone with the pass there. And that's been a, a season-long bugaboo for Florida is the inability to get to the quarterback, um, you know, in one-on-one matchups, you know, kind of four without blitzing. Um, uh, they just have not affected the quarterback. You know, it's been a, a disappointing year for Princely Uman Million in that regard. Um, you know, he's had a lot of pressures, but not many sacks. Um, so I, I, I think that's been a big issue in tackling. Certainly in the secondary, it's a big issue when running backs and receivers have gotten to the second level. Uh, they have managed to come up with uh, big plays because of, um, you know, Florida's weakness at the safety position in terms of tackling Jordan Castell being only a true freshman, uh, Miguel Mitchell. That's been a big problem um, in terms of, uh, you know, having that short, those short fire tacklers in the secondary uh, when running backs or, uh, you know, receivers, uh, you know, break big runs uh, on yards after catch and, uh, you know, sometimes taking bad angles too. So it's really been a combination of things with the defense, um, you know, some missed assignments, some mental things. And I think a lot of that's the byproduct of, you know, how many young players are playing on defense, uh, about 30% of the snaps being true freshmen. Um, it's really a young defense. And I think those, those growing pains are, are certainly showing. And uh, I guess if, if you're a Florida fan or you're Billy Napier, you're hoping that, you know, maybe this being, you know, game 12, um, some of those young players that have played all season have learned something. Um, and maybe this final game, uh, being the final exam could somehow come up and, and summon uh, a, a much better, much more cohesive defensive effort. But uh, it's really been a huge problem since September. And, um, you know, Billy Napier uh, is trying at this point not to throw Austin Armstrong under the bus the same way that he didn't give Austin Armstrong too much praise in September when things were going really well. Um, but he continues to reiterate it's really a collective effort and uh, a lot of people that uh, – need to work to get this defense fixed, uh, either for the Florida State game or for the future going forward. Yeah, now, Essen, with, without Travis, is Florida State good enough to beat Florida, then Louisville in the ACC title game, and then make it into the CFP playoffs? We saw them fall to number five in the rankings, but of course, Ohio State and Michigan will work itself out. But the only way Florida State's getting in is undefeated. And even if they're undefeated, can they get that four spot. So just talk about what you think is going to happen now over the next five or six weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully anticipate Florida state dropping the five tomorrow. Um, I, and honestly, I don't disagree with it in the sense that I think Washington deserves to be a playoff team right now. I would remove Michigan from the equation. I, I'm not impressed with their schedule. That's a different question. That's a different point, but I do anticipate Florida state to fall number five on two on Tuesday's rankings when they come out. But I do think that, you know, as we saw, they're six and a half point favorite over um, Florida right now. I believe they'll be favored over Louisville when it got, when you get to that game. I, I just think the talent is better there. Mike Nerva and his coaching staff are going to have two. They know who they're playing Louisville in two weeks. They're going to have two weeks to prepare for that team. They're probably, you know, with, with knowing that Travis is out. If Travis got hurt against Florida and um, Rodemaker was making a first start against Louisville, might be a little different equation for me, but I do think that they're going to have a game plan ready to go to make sure um, watching that Miami game, Tyler Van Dyke was able to throw where, wherever and whenever he wanted to. So I do think that Louisville's secondary um, was, did not impress me against Miami. So 
I do think Florida State has a chance of throwing them, and um, the Florida State's defense is really good. So I do think Florida State can win out and get there. I have a hard time believing that a undefeated ACC champion is not going to be put in the playoffs. Just really hard time. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility because we could see, you know, Michigan beat Ohio State by one point and then Alabama beat Georgia by one point. And then I think that that's a real debate right there without Jordan Travis. It's a real debate. Is Alabama – um, I think Alabama's in that situation, sorry. But um, does Georgia deserve it? Does um, a um, you know, one-point lost Ohio State deserve it? So I do think that debate gets very serious and it does have some merit one way or the other. But the way it's designed, the way it's supposed to be, Florida State as a undefeated ACC championship team has a good enough roster all around that they should be in the playoffs. Well, they can compete in the playoffs? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Well, they do have a pretty good defense. And, boy, they, they should expand these playoffs. What do you think? Oh, wait, that is going to happen, but not this year. So, you know, last time they got to make some really tough decisions. Now, Kevin, on the other sideline, if Florida loses to Florida State and ends on a five-game losing streak, is that it for Billy Napier? We've seen some big buyouts for coaches thus far this season. Or if he wins, does he get year three? What, what's going to happen with the Gators head coach, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we had heard some rumblings before the Missouri game uh, a little bit. But I think the uh, I think the fact that they competed hard against Missouri, and I think if they compete hard against uh, FSU and kind of show that, uh, you know, that there's something there uh, that, uh, you know, the players still believe in the coach and, uh you know, uh, fans still believe in the direction of the program. I think, you know, I think if they get blown off the field by FSU, uh, then things can get a little dicier. But I, I do think Billy's safe as long as Scott Strickland is safe. And I think Scott Strickland is someone that's kind of believes in the fact that, you know, Billy talked about it today, stacking classes on top of classes uh, in terms of talent. And I think they're kind of, that's kind of where they are right now is that, uh, you know, they, they need a few more, you know, recruiting layers of recruiting classes to add the depth, uh, you know, that's necessary to be a little more competitive in the SEC. Um, you know, I know some fans will think that it's an excuse and that there's maybe a quicker fix in the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that uh, I wrote about with some help from Asan is was about, you know, how those two programs have, have gone about the transfer portal and, uh, uh, you know, how it's... Uh, you know, certainly been a boon for FSU, uh, probably more so than for Florida that's used it more to kind of sprinkle guys in here and there. And, and Billy Napier's probably had more misses in the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball, particularly than the offensive side of the ball, where, you know, Ricky Pearsall and Mertz and last year Osiris Torrance have been very good, but he hasn't found that impact guy on defense. And that, that's another big reason why I think the defense has really struggled is that, uh, you know, they haven't had that, you know, veteran talent infusion that they that they kind of need to compete at the SEC level. So um, but if they do layer kind of a little more talent uh, next year, um, I think that becomes the big kind of hot seat season for Billy Napier. Um, and uh, it's going to be a tough schedule, but he better get off to a good start, because if he doesn't, then, you know, things can get really dicey for him in year three, I think. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, look, Mike Norvell, after his second year, he wasn't exactly on solid footing, but then he comes back with, I believe it was a 10-2 and season in his third year, and now you've got the team undefeated, even after losing Jordan Travis. So, you know, the people calling for Billy Napier's head, you know, it's not their 50-plus million dollar payout that they have to make, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Million, but... but that's still a pretty big chunk of change, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I I estimated a little too high, but yeah, you know, what's 10 million among friends, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now, guys, this is the part of the podcast where I want you guys to ask questions of each other because I can only ask questions based on what I see on TV and what I read of the work that you guys are doing. So let's start with Kevin. What is a question you would like to ask Essen about the Seminoles? Yeah, Essen, uh, you know, I heard Jared Verse has been a little up and down this season, but overall this defense their physicality their ability to rush a quarterback um how, how much uh how much problems could that cause uh certainly florida it'll be a different dynamic now with max brown if it was with graham mertz who's more stationary maybe it could be more of a problem but just just that aspect of of their team and in their defense and their their physicality and their ability to get to the quarterback how, how disruptive do you think they could be saturday night they can be very disruptive. Um, one thing I want to see is we've seen kind of Florida State struggle against those mobile quarterbacks. So if Max Brown does the success running the ball um, and throwing the ball, um, that's going to open up the element of him being able to run. So that would make it a little more interesting. So um, Florida State, uh, Jared Verse has had, you know, like you mentioned, a, for his standards, a down year. Um, the sacks, you know, he's had a couple, he had a big game at Wake Forest, we had a couple sacks, but outside of that, Hasn't made that huge impact, but one thing Florida does well, Florida State does well, and that's um, we talked to um, defensive coordinator Adam Fuller about today is just Patrick Payton, who's playing the opposite side of um, Jared Burst at defensive end at edge, only has three sacks this year, but he's batted nine balls down, um, including two last week. So he's someone that's disruptive without getting to the quarterback of getting to the quarterback. So I think that's where, um, especially against a quarterback against Max Brown, it's a little more. Um, able to run a little bit and do a little bit more with his feet is he probably got to knock some balls down and probably contain him to a pocket, but that'd be interesting to see. All right. And uh, Essen, is there a question you would like to ask Kevin about the Florida Gators? Yeah, Kevin, you just mentioned, you know, um, last week you, there was the Florida state in the game competed. I think it's something that's been obvious for Florida this year is watching it from afar is they don't, there's no quit in this team. It seems like they compete hard. Is that is that true? Yeah, you know, I, I do think, and, and that's a little bit of a credit to the coaching staff, is that, you know, I think in the last two years, um, even when they've they've gotten into holes, they've, they've tried to dig themselves out of, I think the frustration among fans is the fact that uh, in a lot of these close game situations, uh, there are always little things, time and clock things, uh, a special teams blunder, something that kind of short circuits the operation. Um, for example, the Missouri game, uh, Trevor Etienne stepping out of bounds on third down, which gave Missouri about 30 extra seconds on the clock. So when the margin for error is thin uh, for a team, um, you know, and, and you lose games by the margin of Florida's lost, um, you know, Trey Smack, you know, misses a field goal, uh, you know, and, you know, at the end of regulation in the Arkansas game, uh, that could have been a win. Uh, certainly, you make a stop on fourth and seventeen. That could have been a win. Um, and it's funny that a reporter phrased that question today uh, to Napier. Do you think this team is better? Uh, but he forgot to mention the fact that Florida needed 
two fourth down conversions uh, on a last drive to beat South Carolina as well. So it's it's, it's gone both ways a little bit, I think, uh, you know, uh, and it's a sign of a team that, you know, Billy Napier said, basically said that, you know, it's competitive enough to beat anyone, um, but can get beat on any given day, too. It's kind of where they are right now, uh, given their talent level uh, in the conference that they play in. So I think that, uh, you know, it depends, you know, if it's it's kind of like in golf, if you go out and you shoot a 70, uh, you probably got a pretty good shot. If you shoot a 90, you know, and, and don't play at your, your best level or play your play kind of like a C game like they did against Arkansas, then they could get blown out. If they play an A game like they did on the road against Missouri, um, then maybe you have a chance to pull off the upset. Yeah. And, you know, I also think, as you mentioned there, so many close games at the end, that's what you want to see go the right way next year, or I think that's what will ultimately cost Billy Napier because Florida has been in a lot of the games. And then, as you mentioned, Kevin, things always go wrong late. So those are the things you need to see turned around in year three. I will counter with this, Tim, too. And you could say the same thing about like a team like the Miami Hurricanes, too. They're in a very similar boat that Florida. I think if you're, you know, Florida or Miami, you would like to see them build a team where it doesn't matter in the fourth quarter, where you can have, you know, a comfortable 10 or 15 point margin, have that kind of talent and be like a Georgia and a Alabama. But that takes time. Um, you know, it's it's not going to happen overnight. But I think that's I think that's ideally what a Florida fan wants and what a maybe a Miami fan wants. And certainly what uh, maybe Florida State has had at times this season, you know, ability to just put a team away and. I don't think Florida is, you know, close to there yet. Um, and uh, I think that's where they want to get to. Yeah, Mario Cristobal down there in Miami, he's got an even bigger buyout than Billy. So we'll, we'll see if those coaches all stay put. Now, Essen, uh, last question for you. Does the fact that this game is in the swamp have any effect on FSU's chances, in your opinion? Because noise can easily throw off a young quarterback. And being a Gator grad, I know the swamp can be as loud as anywhere in the country. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for my first time in the swamp. I'm um, I'm excited for night game. I was kind of hoping for that. I know it's probably me cool and it's gonna be um, windy as I told I was been told to open um, press box, so that'd be interesting. But um, no, I do think that uh, it's gonna be a factor because if you look back, you know, um, against Boston College, um, Florida State's one game where they the fans actually outnumbered their fans because you look at um, the other road games, Pitt. And um, Wake Forest at Wake Forest, if you look at one side of the field, you could have sworn it was Doak Campbell Stadium because there were so many fans there. So this would be the first time since probably Boston College, when, and that was, you know, their big game, um, the Red um, red ribbon, ribbon game, I think, for Boston College, that game. Um, red Bandana game, sorry, that's what it was. Um, their Red Bandana game where it was actually loud. So this is the first time that Florida State's actually have a hostile, hostile um, road crowd, and now you're breaking into a brand-new quarterback. Um that's going to have to, you know, play in that noise, communicate in that noise. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. I think um, I think if this game was at Florida State, I think Florida State's probably a two-touchdown favorite. The fact that I, 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 that's the first time I've seen the line today was six and a half. That's kind of, um, I think, the big, playing the swamp at night is probably factored in as well. As well. All right. And Kevin? How do you see things playing out for the Gators after the season? Do you think Florida's, uh, I believe it was the number three recruiting class, which has fallen to number four with some players backing out. Are they going to be able to keep everything else intact here? Yeah, I think that's, you know, a huge question. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've lost three commitments in the last couple of weeks. 
uh, some four stars, some highly rated four stars, um, and it's going to be open season. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of negative recruiting, especially if they lose to Florida State and finish five and seven and don't make a bowl. Um, there's going to be a lot of that. And uh, but there's also time to get other players too. Um, you know, from within the state of Florida, uh, in particular. Uh, that can maybe replace some of those guys. So I think it's going to, it'll be fascinating to see how it shakes out. But I do think that, uh, you know, uh, a win against FSU would do really well for momentum um, because it would be uh, part of that process of saying, hey, look, you know, uh, we did beat two of our rivals this year, FSU and uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, things are on the up and up. We've got a little positive momentum there. Maybe, you know, you, you get to go to a bowl game, you see how that shakes out. Um, you can kind of uh, play that uh, into, uh, you know, uh, something that uh, some that you could sell. Um, but that being said, you know, I talked to a recruiting analyst about this a couple of weeks ago and, and wrote a column on this. And uh, um, I think ultimately we're in an age now where NIL rules, rules the roost. I mean, money talks. That's very important. Um, and, and Florida probably has its NIL house a little bit in better order than they had this time last season. And, uh, you know, another thing Billy Napier can sell and, you know, the proof has been on the field this year is playing time. You know, the fact that, you know, you could step in as a freshman and right away be part of the solution. Um, and certainly you've seen, a, a, you know, a skilled player like Eugene Wilson as a true freshman and the impact that he's made this season. Oh, and by the way, I've picked up a few NIL deals on the process. Um, I think that uh, that, is, that all factors into recruiting uh, as well as, uh, you know, how your team is performing on the field. All right. So in other words, what we need, if, if they have money waiting around to pay off coaches, then they could throw a little of that at some players. So, you know, Bob's Burger Barn skips bait and tackle. Let, let's get some money for the recruits. All right. It's, uh, listen, hey, it's all, you know, it's all out in the open now. You know what I mean? It's 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 just crazy how, uh, you know, five or 10 years ago we would, uh, you know, uh, be uh, people would be whistling the NCA. But uh, we're in a we're in a new age. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a wild west. I, I wouldn't want to be a college football coach unless I'm getting well, a 40 Michigan will find a way to get in trouble either way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. Steal some signs. That's fine. You know what I mean? That's a... yeah, send a guy with a mustache and a trench coat to the sideline. That's almost comical, all of the stuff surrounding that. that. That's definitely a subject for another podcast. Essen, is there anything else that you'd like to add about this game, or do you think we've done a pretty good job covering it? I think we've done a pretty good job. I just want to ask Kevin one more question. Um, sure. What happened to um, Jack Miller? I know he was the starter last year against Oregon State um, in that bowl game, um, and I think he was listed as the back of the start station. What? Where is he? He's got a hand issue that hasn't fully healed, so Max Brown supplanted him on the depth chart just because he doesn't have his, the velocity on the throws. Um, and I don't even think you know we have not really seen him you know, uh, on the field, uh, at road games, uh, this year, he hasn't been even on the travel roster. So he might even be fourth at this point on the depth chart. Uh, they have a walk on Michael Leone, a seventh year guy who, uh, you know, is, is really, uh, would be the backup if something happens to Max Brown, uh, tomorrow. So I think with Jack, it was it's just an injury issue that didn't fully heal. And, and that's kind of where he is. And, uh, uh, I would not be surprised, um, to see, uh, him uh, no longer with the program at the end of the season uh, as a result, but we'll see how things shake out in the transfer portal. Wow. Seventh year guy. He's been around since the Obama administration. Holy cow. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And he played for UConn and I think he was signed by NC state, Michael Leone. So he's, 
he's an interesting story too. And he actually performed pretty well in fall camp. So uh, they, uh, they think that uh, they think that he's not a bad guy. So if something happens to Max Brown, that could be your next guy. There you go. Cam Rising's been in um, in college football since before Hunter Renfro, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Kevin, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, uh, well, do you have a prediction, Ethan? Ethan, I, I, I predicted Florida State 28-24 uh, on, uh, you know, the Gannett picks that I do with uh, the CCJ, so. Yeah, um, let's see, I'll go, I haven't really thought about it yet, but um, I'll go Florida State 31, Florida 28. That sounds about right. I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. I think Florida will cover the spread like they did against Missouri, but I just think something is going to happen because it's been that kind of a, a Charlie Brown season for the Gators, and if something goes wrong, it usually does. Well, I think Florida is going to pull off the upset. I'm not sure if I really believe that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're, uh, you know what I mean? Your orange and blue is showing there, Tim. There you go. All right, and as always, you can find all of Essen's work at Tallahassee.com and all of Kevin's work at Gainesville.com and Gatorsports.com. And Essen, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, my um, social media handle is on Essen at underscore Kassim. That's E-H-S-A-N underscore K-A-S-S-I-M. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can find a bunch of Jordan Travis um, stories there since that's all I felt like I've been writing about for the past two days. <laughs> and, Kevin, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at, uh, you know, at, at Kevin Rockway G1 on Twitter, Gatorsports, Gainesville.com. All my stuff is there, uh, you know, writing about, uh, you know, uh, Max Brown and, uh, you know, the uh, the state of the Florida Gators, uh, you know, is one last shot to be bowl eligible. We'll see what happens. All righty, guys, I appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. I always love talking to the two of you, and I look forward to talking to you guys soon. I know Essen will be having you back real soon to talk about the ACC title game against Louisville. Can you believe we're here already? No, the season has absolutely flown by. So, uh, well, guys, again, I appreciate it. Essen, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on. And Kevin, as always, thank you again for being here. Yes, thank you. And that will do it for another episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Florida Gators coaching legend Steve Spurrier, I don't think telling the truth ever gets anyone in trouble in the long run. Maybe the day after, but not in the long run. Wise words from a wise man. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. <laughs>